Hi, hello, and welcome to the 23rd demonstration of the system. We, like you, continue to be baffled by the fact that all our favourite podcasts have decided that the only content people want is is more opinion about some news no one yet understands, so uh, so we're not listening to them. It's giving us a lot of time to catch up on our reading, uh, well, or reread. I am rereading the shipping news, which was as it was last time, amazing. And so much of the main character is about him being a hulking physical specimen that my rage that Kevin Spacey was cast in the first place is re-rising in my heart. And surely this is a great opportunity for someone to do a 10-part remake on Netflix. I'm just putting that out there. If they could do it in the next fortnight, magic. There's just more to life than news, people. For instance, there's Rochester. There's Gillingham, there's Chatham, there are Raynham and Strood. It's the New Orleans of North Kent, I'm told by a a regular star, frequent dental guinea pig. And it turns out a lesser sound editor than she is, a writer or performer, Anna Savory. In a few months' time, I'm going to move from the Medway Towns, where I've lived all my life, to London where I hope to live for the remainder of it. My Italian friend, with whom I'm only maintaining a relationship because I use him as a framing device for Tortoise stories, asked me if I'd miss my hometown, and before I could answer, went on to describe his little seaside village outside Bologna for which he is constantly beset with longing. The mountains. The sea. The spot from the mountains where you can see the sea. The spot from the sea where you can see the mountains. It was a repetitive five minutes. But the message I got, other than the fact that Farno has both mountains and sea, was that this place had produced him, and that therefore he loved it and was proud of it. Tell me about where you come from, he said. And the implicit question, of course, was, tell me what sights and sounds have helped to shape the very nature of your soul. Tell me what natural or cultural landscape has made you who you are today. There's no shame in coming from Medway. My mother said to me the first time I left for university, the only shame is in ever having to come back. Medway's dreadful. I know everyone thinks where they're from is dreadful, but Medway actually is dreadful. And not in a sort of farm by gum everyone against Thatcher boys way that some towns in the north are dreadful. It has neither sea nor mountain. What it has is a UKIP MP, three separate but equally notorious prisons, and the highest number of prostitutes per square mile in Kent. It used to have some nice swimming pools, but last year three of them had to be closed because they found Legionnaire's disease, something usually found only in standing bog water, in the pipes. And if you look up Medway's Wikipedia page, you will find under local landmarks a converted public toilet that is now a kebab shop. For a long time I resented coming from there, But aged about 18, a series of things happened that slowly induced in me a growing sense of civic pride. The first was what our head teacher referred to as an outbreak of sporadic localised voodoo. No one ever got to the bottom of this. But it is what it says on the tin. For about six months, dead chickens were liberally scattered over a five-mile radius. They appeared on the doorstep of local landmarks, the cathedral, the council buildings castle, our school. Their necks were cut, 
and sometimes they were surrounded by chalked spiral markings. What was equally baffling was that one day the chicken stopped appearing and no one ever mentioned it again. Oh, the chickens have gone. Great. Let's move on with our lives. Should we get to the bottom of who? No, no, no. No. I'd started to think the whole thing might have been a fever dream I had. But one day, my driving instructor, who wasn't much older than I was, asked tentatively, Do you... do you remember when there was all that voodoo? I said I definitely did remember when there was all that voodoo, and we bonded instantly. She was Medway born and bred, and she knew the area better than anyone, because she spent her working days driving round it. She took it upon herself to force me into liking the place a bit more. It's full of tiny joys that spring from poverty and misery, she said. And one by one, she would draw my attention to pleasing curbside freakeries. Look! She would cry suddenly as we practiced manoeuvres. Look! It's that homeless man who dances at traffic lights. Who? Don't you know him? He's my hero. Someone made him a Facebook page and everything. He wanders round the Medway towns. And when he comes to traffic lights or level crossings, he jives. Or, look, look, it's that woman with the pram, but instead of a baby, she always straps a melon into it. Or, look, look, it's that plumber's van that has a toilet with the face of Hitler on the side. I've spent too much of my life thinking about that one. We both did. It took me a long time to learn to drive, because a lot of that time was devoted to this question. Why was the plumber's logo a toilet with the face of Hitler on? And and was it pro or anti-Nazi for a start? Because on the one hand, you're equating Hitler with a toilet. Quite a negative sentiment. But on the other hand, why bring the Fuhrer into your signage at all? In the end, we decided it was a marketing ploy designed to draw subconscious parallels and that all over the local area, families were sitting down and saying, You know, darling, ever since I saw that toilet with the face of Hitler, I've been thinking about our own toilet and the almost dictatorial control it exercises over our family. What do you say I call that visionary young plumber and we can finally put our toilet in its place? Yeah, people's revolution. I'll phone him now and pay up front. In the spring of 2009, just as I was about to leave Medway for university, they decided, as if in celebration of my leaving, to pour a huge EU grant into the town. They could have used that money to filter the legionnaires out of the pools, or do some outreach to reconcile the Vudaist factions with the rest of the community. But what they did was build a beautiful housing estate, full of affordable, pleasant family homes, the sort of thing that quite genuinely would be helpful. But they built it somewhere called St Mary's Island. Google St Mary's Island. It's a spit of land out into the estuary. It was a plague pit. It was a mass grave during multiple Victorian typhoid epidemics. It is where slave ships and ships holding prisoners were moored during the wars with France, and somehow, though I forget the details, all the soil there has become irradiated, meaning that you can't eat anything you grow. Basically, what I'm saying is there are thousands and thousands of skeletons under your feet on St Mary's Island, and the radioactive soil means that they may potentially mutate and spring to life at any moment.
They spent the money, essentially, creating the premise of a horror film. They also spent it on a gigantic purple bus, a tourist bus, open-topped in the London style, and the voice of the bus, the voice that guides you through town and directs your attention to sights of note, is Brian Blessed. Brian Blessed is not a local man. It is a baffling choice. It is also a baffling choice Despite the fact that Medway has no tourists, this bus still circles Rochester and Chatham twice a day. The voice of Brian Blessed, which I cannot do, and therefore will not try to do, declaring that if you look to your left, you will see a former toilet that now serves shish kebab. On your right, there is an eldritch abomination that is St Mary's Island. And as the bus comes to rest at these traffic lights, please direct your attention to this dancing vagrant man you can like on Facebook. And really, how can you not miss a thing like that? Italy can keep sea and mountains and mountains and sea. What I've got in my soul is toilet kebabs, sporadic localised voodoo, a strong subconscious association between toilets and 20th century dictators. My internal monologue is all done in the voice of Brian Blessed, which is a voice that I cannot do. And that is what has made me who I am today. I say that uh, Anna is a lesser sound editor. I'm really, these are her own words. Uh, so I'm not being mean or not only being mean. She says that she can't do it. And that is the reason why uh, taxidermy is taking a while to appear because she has had to pass it on to someone who is literally a professional sound editor. One regular listener, after all, re-Anna's sound editing, I mean, I don't know if it's a regular listener, but it's someone who took the time to write in, uh, actually says how much she enjoys the fact that uh, Anna's stories seem to have been recorded in the middle of an especially calming and peaceful field of wheat. I'm not entirely sure what that means, but it, it certainly sounds great. It sounds like praise. I take almost anything as praise. It's a very robust strategy in these troubled times. Today's song comes with a trigger warning, which we make no apology for at the current time, because although it's a very funny song, in my opinion, it is the one in Midwinter Night's Dream where Oberon has lost his mind and has decided that he's going to let everyone die in this snowstorm that he has created. Okay? Uh, the Oberon, in case you don't remember from earlier episodes, is uh, Tom Lyle. Let the kittens die. Oh, you can sing it, you? It was her wish that she be mortal. And now her wish is coming true. So let her look into the portal of all the things that humans do. Like freezing to death, not only Must die. 
Susanna Pierce songbook is truly a marvellous place to hang around and we are incredibly grateful that we get to do that. Also we've got a magnificent cover version in of one song which I won't tell you what it is because you know suspense and that will go up I think we'll put it up tomorrow or the next day depending on how far ahead we are. So that is us for today. Be well and good and good to each other and that's Tall Tales Out.